of the things Greg helped me with yesterday is I look for the pats on the back. You know, and when I don't get that, we start to feel like we're not as valued. But God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's the one who rewards us. Amen. So we just need to look at Him. So thank you. Amen. On behalf of God this morning, thank you. Um, uh, okay. So let's go to uh, 1 John chapter 1 this morning. 1 John, you're welcome. Thank you for letting me know. 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to begin with verse 1. And what I actually want to talk about this morning is the why of grace. Um, you know, we spend probably most of our time as ministers, um, uh, we spend most of our time talking about the, the what of grace, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm not like against that this morning, but like we're, we're going to emphasize something different this morning. And so let's look at 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So like I said, most of the time we tend to focus on the what of grace, right? Um, we're not legalists, right? But But... Our salvation does have a legal aspect to it. Um, words such as justification, advocate, mediator, transgression, law, these are all things that are legal terms. So there is the what to grace tends to be legal, right? Not, not to be confused with legalism, but it, it tends to be like our, our unchanging standing with the Father, right? So there is a legal aspect to our salvation, and we focus a lot on that, and we should. I've just The last three messages I've taught here, uh, it's been on the security of the believer. It's focusing on the what. But so many times, too many of us stop there, right? Uh, we've got the information, we've got the knowledge, but we tend to stop there. And what I want to talk about this morning is the living aspect to our salvation. And the living aspect, what I'm specifically talking about, is fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is the why to our salvation. Right? Now, I'm going to make a distinction between two words this morning. And know that I'm not doing this like first to make a doctrine out of it, first to correct ourselves all the time. I just think it's an important distinction I want to make this morning because it's the way God showed it to me and it helped me. So I'm going to use it to help you. Um, but when we talk about, like we use, we talk about relationship with God. And when we talk about relationship with God, we're actually usually referring to fellowship with Him, right? And like I said, I, I don't want to be sticklers about terms. Like I'm probably in this message going to say relationship with God. But primarily a relationship in its most literal, you know, the most literal way you can think of that word, it's the way you're related to someone or something, right? So our relationship with God uh, when you think about that, actually it's he's our father, we're his kids, right? But now that doesn't necessarily include fellowship. Because, listen, I'm related to my dad whether I fellowship with him or not. Like legally, physically, like 
we're related. Uh, same with my mom, same with my aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, children. Um, just because we're related doesn't mean that relationship is flourishing into fellowship. Right? Because, and what's, what's fellowship? What's the difference? Fellowship is when that relationship becomes living and active through communication, through communion, through time together. Okay? This is the why of grace. And that's what John says here. He says, listen, that which we touched, that which we held, that which we seen with our very own eyes. What's he talking about? Jesus. Right? And he's like, we declare this person to you. Not so you can just have the what, but so that you can have the why. So that you can have fellowship with the very one that we walked with. The very one that we talked with. The very one that we slept beside all those nights. You can have fellowship with him and this is why we are doing and teaching what we are. Right? So, so the purpose of the what of grace is to get us to the why of grace. Fellowship with God. Because if I feel your head and you leave here and you know, I'm secure in Jesus. I'm, like, there's a place for that. But it really does no good if it doesn't lead to a vibrant fellowship with him. Communication with him. Right? The whole reason that I preach... The, the eternal forgiveness of sins, that you're forgiven for past, present, and future sins, isn't so that you'll run out in sin, right? And anybody who really gets hold of that message, that's not what they do. Why? Because when that message is received in the heart, um, you just run to God. Because you know nothing breaks that fellowship. Nothing breaks that union. So we preach this. So I do this so the people, when you do mess up, when I mess up, I won't run from God, I'll run to Him. Why? Because I know that relationship doesn't change. And because that relationship doesn't change, I'm free to have fellowship with Him at any time. Right? Uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter uh, 8. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. Now the word fellowship that John used, li listen to the definition. It's the Greek word koinonia, and we we've talked about that a lot here, but Listen at some of the, the, the definitions of this word. So fellowship means partnership, participation, communication, intercourse, communion, intimacy, close connection. In the Greek, that's, what, that's the idea we should have when we talk about fellowship, right? It, it's, so it's something that's living. It's something that's vibrant. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, 11. Along the thought that... This is the why of grace. He says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the legal part of it, right? This is the relationship part. I'm your God, you're my people. Doesn't change. Verse 11, this is, this is interesting. None of them shall teach his neighbor. And none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Now, we know he's not doing away with the gift of teaching. Right? Because Paul says, listen, there's going to be teachers until we all come into the unity of the knowledge of faith, which is going to happen when Jesus returns. Right? So we know that's not exactly what he's talking about. So what is he talking about? Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, 
When I preach these scriptures, I tend to focus on this verse, verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, right? But that word for, it could also be translated since or because of. So what's he talking about? He's saying, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their lawless deeds, and because of that, they can know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. From the priest to the prostitute, right? It, it doesn't matter. From the least to the greatest, they can know me. Now, the word know in the Greek, I love this definition, it means to be aware of. For they can all be aware of me from the least to the greatest. How do I know if I'm in intimate fellowship with God? Here's the best way, I think, to answer that. Are you aware of Him? Like, it's easy to be aware of Him right now. Right? Like we're, we're in church. It, it was easy to be aware of him during worship. But are you aware of him when you're doing dishes? When you're driving in the car? When you're mad at the kids? <laughs> like are you aware of him in that moment? Do you live with an awareness of him? That's a good indicator of whether you're in fellowship. All right? Like my, like my, my marriage... There's never a moment I'm like, oh yeah, I'm married. I better check up on my wife, right? Like, no, there's an, always this awareness that I have a wife and kids. There's always this awareness of what are they doing, where are they at, how are they, right? There's always this awareness. That is a sign of fellowship, okay? Have you ever came across somebody, like you, you see them at a store or something, and you've not seen them in years. You forgot they, were even, they even existed. Why? No fellowship. Right? Now, there's that, they might be that relationship. We come across people like that at family reunions. That relationship was always there, but the fellowship wasn't. Right? Um, go with me to um, John chapter 16. So, the reason we teach radical forgiveness of sins is so people can have a radical fellowship with God. A radical intimacy with God. Um, now, I thought of two reasons. Now, I'm sure there's more, but today I'm just going to bring out two reasons. Two reasons that people tend to not enjoy fellowship with God. The first one is they feel their, their fellowship with God is inferior to someone else's. And I think this happens a lot in marriages. I think it happens a lot in you know, people that are just close to one another. We tend to compare our, our time with God with someone else's. Um, you know, like, I'm big on, like, the way God primarily relates to me is through the written word, right? But it would be wrong of my wife to be like, okay, Grant reads 10 chapters a day. I don't read 10 chapters a day. But Grant reads 10 chapters a day. I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. And if I read 10 chapters a day, God will talk to me like he talks to him. It doesn't work that way. We're all unique individuals, right? And so Paul said that comparing themselves with themselves, it's not wise, so when it comes to our fellowship with God, we can't like make the checklist. And we can't be like, well, you know, this, this person does this, so I'll do that. If I do what he does, I'll get the same results. It, we're all wired differently. Now there's disciplines I think that we need to have, and I'm going to talk about those here in a few minutes. But don't compare your relationship, your fellowship with God to someone else's. Like that is, that's a recipe for discouragement. It's a recipe for condemnation. Like, there's always going to be someone that one-ups you. 
If I read 10 chapters a day, there's always that person that they're reading 20, right? That I don't know, like, they don't have a life or something, but, you know, it's like, you know, there's always going to be somebody to one-up you, right? So we, can, we must be careful to not do that. But here's another one, and we're going to go to John chapter 16 and verse 5. I think another reason that people, this goes along with feeling our relationship or our fellowship is inferior, is they look at what people had in the Bible, and they think, well, that's not, I don't have that. So they feel it's inferior to what they have now. Um, John chapter 16 and verses 5 through 7. Uh, John 16, 5 through 7. So here's, here's Jesus, and he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now here's why we're here. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go, do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now let me ask you this. Who do you think had the better fellowship with God? Was it Abraham who heard God once every now and then audibly? Or was it Jesus, or the disciples, I mean, who walked with Jesus for three and a half years? Who would you rather be, the disciples or Abraham, as far as fellowship with God? I'd rather be the disciples, right? I'm walking with this dude. I'm talking to this dude. I can touch him. I can talk to him. I can ask him questions. For three and a half years, I'm stuck to his side. That's better than what Abraham had, right? But we tend to think that what Abraham and Joshua and Moses had was better than what we have. But if we could put things in order, Jesus... The disciples with Jesus is better than God with Abraham. But Jesus comes along and says, and what's going to happen when I go away is better than this. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. So he's literally saying, what you're going to have when I leave is better than what you have right now. As far as fellowship, it's going to be better with the Holy Spirit than it is with me physically with you. That's mind-blowing to me. But that's what Jesus said. See, but we tend to read the Old Testament and think, man, I just wish God would speak audibly to me. And I'm not saying God can't speak audibly to you. But like, that's what we want. And we have this idea that like, from the time they got up to the time they went to bed, God was just talking audibly to them. One time, Abraham went 14 years without hearing the voice of God. 14 years. That dude was just living on the last word God said to him. He didn't, even have, he didn't have no scripture. So he wasn't getting up every morning and reading the Bible, right? So 14 years. So clearly what Peter and John had walking with Jesus every day was better than what Abraham had. But Jesus comes along and says what Grant Fraley has is going to be better than what Peter and John have. Right? Like that is powerful. That what we have is better than what Abraham had. Better than what Moses had. Better than what David and Solomon had. It's better. And we need, if we could just grasp that truth, it's to our advantage. We have one up on Moses. We have one up on Abraham. We have one up on David. Right? Our, our fellowship with God is better. 
Let's go to Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. Now here's the second reason I can think that people don't enjoy fellowship with God. They disqualify themselves. Now this, is the, this was the big one for me in the past, right? And for any of you who once were not, you know, you weren't born into grace, like Tim and Keisha were. They were born into this thing, man. But like, I wasn't born into this thing, right? And I can remember, like, if I sinned, I couldn't fellowship with God, right? God, he, he won't fellowship with sin. That was the way it was presented to me, and that's what I believe. But in Luke chapter 14, verse 15, listen here, Jesus giving a parable. He said, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. Now, in the Bible, let me say this, a table, like it's so powerful, like you, you, Jeremiah was back there ministering to me about a table, and I knew I was going in this direction. In, in, in the Bible, a table is always symbolic of fellowship. It's where we get together, we talk about breaking bread, it's where we get together, break bread, and we talk to one another. At that moment, especially in the Bible, when they didn't have an iPhone, they're focused on one another, Right? They're, they're, right now, that person in front of them, it's the most important person in the world. Okay, so, so this represents fellowship. Okay, and he says, Come, for all things are now ready. Verse 18. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And let me say this. Like, people could take the part of being angry, and they could say, Okay, you don't fellowship with God, he gets angry. That's not the way Jesus taught. A parable, you're not to pick out every little thing and, and make a lesson out of it. A parable, you're to read as a whole and say, what's the story here? Right? All right, so, so don't let things like that throw you off. All right, because I'm talking about fellowship with God, and I don't want you to get in condemnation and say, well, you know, I've not been doing these things. You know, says here, Jesus said, the master gets angry. That's not the point of the parable. What's the point of the parable? Let's read on. Verse 22. Uh, so notice here, back in verse 21, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes or the, of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, it's not like he's, he's threatening them. Well, you've got it now, right? He's just, he's just pointing out the fact here. So here's what I want to say. People disqualify themselves from fellowship with God, but according to Jesus' teaching, the only thing that disqualifies us from fellowship with God is declining the invitation. He's calling every one of us to fellowship, and the only thing that, that disqualifies us is when we say, no. 
Like you can bring out where they had excuses. You can bring out, you know, how they put these things above God. But the point is, they all said no. That's the only thing that disqualified them. He did not say that, that you know, those who are right won't taste of my supper. He said, you know, those who wouldn't come, they won't taste my supper. Right? So the only thing that disqualifies you from fellowship with God is just saying no. He's giving us the invitation, and we're like, no, I'm good. I got a field, I'm good. Right? We are qualified to have fellowship with God because of Jesus. That's the why of grace. The what of grace is you're forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. You have an unbreakable union with the Father. You are eternally secure in Christ, but the why is now enjoy some fellowship. Right? So that is such a powerful truth. You know, um, and, and let me say this too. You know, Jesus proved this. Jesus was God in the flesh. He he fully revealed to us the character of God. Jesus showed us this over and over when he would have dinner with the, the sinners, the tax collectors, the worst of the worst, and Jesus had dinner with them. But you know who he didn't have dinner with? The Pharisees, the Sadducees. But you know what I think? The Bible doesn't say this, but this is what I think. He invited those people, but they didn't come. Their self-righteousness wouldn't let them come. Right? So... Because he loved them just as much as the sinners. It's not about who's more qualified. Jesus, I think Jesus invited everybody. I think he sent word out, listen, there's a supper at this location tonight. You're welcome. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees sat outside because they said, look who's there. I'm not going in with those people. right? But Jesus qualified everyone. Now, when I think about the idea of a table... The person, the thing that comes to my mind is my grandma, right? My grandma passed away a few years ago. You guys walked with me through that. And I was, you know, she raised me. I lived, I was raised in her home. And when I got older, got married, and, and moved away, our fellowship together took place around that her table, right? We would come home, and when we, me and Keisha would pull up, she had food ready, right? On the table, ready to go. And we would sit down and just talk, right? Just talk about life. I didn't get no phone service at, their, at her house at the time, so I wasn't sitting there on my phone. It was just us, right? And, you know, that's what I miss the most. I miss fellowship. It's not her presence as much as it's her fellowship. I'm happy for her. She's a Jesus, Right? She's a Jesus. She, she's enjoying herself. She can walk. She can talk. She can get up. She was bed fast. Now she can get up, run, have fun. I believe she's taking care of my son. Right? I'm happy for her. But I miss her fellowship. And when, and when I miss it the most is when we're going through a hard time. Because she was the one I just bounced things off of, that I would just vent to, that I would talk to about things. Right? Psalm 23, 5 says, For you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's what she did. When I was hurt, when I was upset, when I felt betrayed, she set a table before me in the presence of those enemies of betrayal, in the presence of those enemies of doubt, 
in the presence of those enemies of light. That was an expression of the character and the nature of God. God sets a table before you in the presence of your brokenness, in the presence of your sin, in the presence of your doubt, in the presence of your lack, in the presence of your anxiety, in the presence of your depression, whatever it is, your insecurity, God sets a table before you in the presence of those things. What is it? It's fellowship. He says, come and let, you know, you can sit there and you can feed on what's going wrong. You can feed on the bad or you can feed on him. It's one of the reasons Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. Feed on me, right? Have fellowship with me. And that's so powerful to me. We overlook the power of fellowship with God so much. And I know I do because I'm someone who I, I love information. So information feeds me. But information can't do for my heart what fellowship can. And I know those seasons where I'm relying too much on information because my heart's not at peace. Right? So, man, this is just an encouragement to enjoy our fellowship with God. Let's go to John chapter 8. And um, actually... Yeah, go to, go to John chapter 8. I'll, I'll tell you about Genesis 5. Um, in Genesis 5, the, the Old Testament tells us a story of a man who it says walked with God. Um, the New Living Translation, I might even say, he, he, he had such a close relationship with God. But it says that Enoch walked with God and then one day he was not, for God took him. In other words, this man was walking in such intimate fellowship with God that one day he was on the earth, he, he blinked and he's in heaven. I believe that's the way it's supposed to be for us. That we're supposed to be in such intimate fellowship with God that our death is like the blink of an eye. And it's something like, wait a minute, where am I? Right? Like you ever had those moments where everybody's gone in the house, you're like, oh my God, I missed the rapture. Like, you know, whether you believe that or not, we've all had those moments. Like, you know, I think, you know, you like freak out for a minute. Oh my gosh, I missed it. You know, like, uh, I've done that a few times with Keisha and the kids because I'm like, surely Keisha and the kids will go before me if that's the way things are going to happen, you know. But I'm just joking. But it, it's, I believe it's like that, man. It's going to be like one minute, like, we're just going to have this awareness. Like, this thing's over. I'm here. I was just there, but now I'm here. That's the way things are going to happen when Jesus comes back. The Bible says it'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. And man, I had a dream. This has been four or five months ago, but I had a dream about the return of Jesus. And uh, it was so powerful because you and Stacy and, and your kids were with us in this dream. But we, but we seen, I seen Jesus. I heard that trumpet. And it's the most powerful dream I've ever had. But everything changed. Just like that. And Enoch got to taste that. Not because, you know, it never mentions one thing that Enoch did right. It doesn't say because he was a good husband. Because he was a good father. Because he did well at his job. Because he didn't, you know, he kept all the commandments, right? It, it doesn't say, it, he just walked with God. And one day he was not, for God took him. Right? So that's just, that's the, and remember what Jesus said, it is to your advantage. Right? So if that worked for Enoch, that would definitely work for me. That's powerful. So John chapter 8, verse 30. Um, so here, here's the thing I want to say too. 
God has given us everything we need for fellowship with Him. Everything. There's nothing you have to, to go find and make happen to have fellowship with God. He's already equipped us with everything we need. And there are just four things. This is what I want to just spend the last of this message talking about. Is There are four things that I see how that, that God has given us to have fellowship with Him. It's not a checklist that you go and check off. It's, it's not like this legalistic uh, chart that we pull out. It's just these things like, listen, let the Spirit this morning as we talk about this, let the Spirit like kind of nudge you. That's what you need a little bit more of. That's what, you, that's what we need to do together a little bit more, right? And, and the first thing, and I want to talk about this one before the other ones, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the other things that we're going to talk about without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, these are dead things. They're dead works, right? Reading the Bible without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, dead work. Praying without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, dead work. But we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what energizes our fellowship with God. The Holy Spirit is what activates this fellowship with God. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is what gives us the advantage. They had scriptures in the Old Testament. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had scriptures, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Right? They all had prayer but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They all gathered together, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's to our advantage. Why? Fellowship. Right? Fellowship. So John chapter 8, verse 30. Look at this. The next thing I, I want to bring out, the next thing God has given us for fellowship with Him is His Word, the Scriptures, right? John chapter 8, verse 30. Look at this. And as He spoke these words, many believed in Him. Verse 31, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So I want you to notice something here. There's these two categories Jesus gives that we can almost look over. He mentions those who believe. But he says, but if you'll continue in my word, if you'll abide in my word, then you'll be disciples. And when we think of disciples, we tend to think of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Now let me ask you something. It says many believed in him. Who do you think knew Jesus better? These who believed in him or his disciples? The disciples. Again, remember, walked with him, talked with him, slept beside him, asked him questions, heard every teaching he had, right? So his disciples had a much more intimate relationship with him. Why? Even though I know it's not like they had this, this physical Bible here, but they had the Word made flesh with them, right? And they could go to him, and they often did with any question they had. Right? And Jesus says, listen, the difference in a believer and a disciple is one abides in my Word. There was many people this day who heard Jesus, believed in Him, and they were good. They went home. But then there were 12 who stuck around, and, and there's probably a few more than that. We know, we know the women who followed Him and things, but there, there, was a hand, there was a select number who stuck around, who asked questions, who wanted to get to know Him. Who Man, they could tell you uh, they knew Jesus' favorite jokes. Right? They knew what he liked to eat. They knew what he didn't like to eat. Right? 
The disciples knew Jesus better than anyone else. And Jesus says here, the way you become a disciple is the Word of God. And I think this is so important because we need to know you can't separate God from His Word. And that's important because, listen, there, especially in our grace circles, there's people who will try to separate God from His Word. I mean, there, one, of the, one of the barometers for whether or not I can trust this teacher is what do they think about the Scripture? And the moment they say it's not the Word of God, I'm out. Right? It, so you, you, you can't separate God from His Word. And I've used this example before, but if I tell you, yeah, I'll, you ask me, and I tell you, yeah, I'll come help you dig a ditch. The day comes and goes, I never showed up. And you ask me, hey, what happened? I thought you were going to help me dig that ditch. Oh, that was just, that was just some words. Like, I didn't mean it. That wasn't me. It was just words. You can't separate a person from their words. You know them by their words. Right? There are things that you will only know about me if you ask me and I tell you. Right? You can't know me without my words. Not as well as you should or well as you can. So we can't separate God from His Word. So, we need to, so here's, here's what we have to be careful about. I mentioned we, we need to beware of any teaching that tries to draw us away from the Word of God. Because listen, here, here's why I'm saying this. Any attempt to draw you away from the Word of God is actually an attempt to draw you away from fellowship with Him. This is, and again, remember, I'm not comparing, but this is the way God primarily fellowships with me and I with Him. Right? Like we, 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 we so many times are like, God, I need to hear from you. And He like made it so easy for us. Right? Like, especially when you've heard teaching like you have here and through other teachers you know where you know how to rightly divide this thing, right? You know you don't go to Leviticus 19 and, and say, well, you know, that's what God's saying to me, right? You, you know how to rightly divide this thing. There is life in this book. Not this physical leather book, but these words are life. Jesus taught that. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is, and I... I tell people this all the time, there is life in just picking this book up and reading it. Just reading it. But I, I'm telling you, just when you go to this book and you say, God, this is your gift to me, and you just pick it up and read it, and you're not worried about how many chapters do I have to read. You know, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're, just, worried, you're just concerned with fellowship with Him. It will impart life to you. It just will. It just will. I can't explain that enough. There is life when you meditate on this Word. If this Word is boring to you, it's because you're not meditating upon it. It's words on a page that you're just reading. But when you meditate upon it, when you ponder it, when you think about it, when you imagine it, when you're putting it in your heart, it comes alive. For the Word of God is alive. Hebrews 4.12. Right? So... You want a good place to begin fellowship with Him, you can start here. You can just start here. And what we do, though, so many times is we make, rather than go to this book for fellowship, we go to this book out of obligation. And obligation is always an invitation to condemnation. Always. 
But when your goal is fellowship, you can come. Like, listen, I make some people mad because I tell people, I have a relationship with this book. And that makes people upset because they're like, well, that book's not God. Well, you can't separate this God from this book. Right? This is, you wouldn't know Jesus if not for this book. Right? You, you would not know God's promises if not for this book. Right? Now, there's some days that I read a verse. There's some days I read whole chapters. Or some days I might read, you know, like when it comes to the epistles, I might read a whole book. I just go until I feel that peace. I go until God speaks a word. I go until I say, that's exactly what I need today. Right? So, like sometimes, like I said, I don't even make it out of a verse. But God's in this book. And that, that might, I don't get upset by that. God's in this book. The Holy Spirit inspired this book, wrote this book. This is for fellowship. This is what we need to feast on. Not the news, not Facebook, not Instagram, not Twitter. This book. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. But I'm saying, listen, even when I'm on Facebook, I'm chewing on the Word. Right? Fellowship with Him. So that's one of the places. Another one, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Another gift God has given us for fellowship with Him is prayer. I was never very good at praying before I got a hold of grace because I thought it was this comparison game of I'd hear people say, well, you know, I prayed all night. And I was like, I ain't even got nothing to pray for for 10 minutes. Like, in 10 minutes, I'm tapped out. Like, I didn't have a wife and kids at this time. I'm tapped out in 10 minutes. I prayed for the world, interceded for the nations. Uh, I've got Vladimir Putin saved. Like, I've done it all in 10 minutes, right? But when grace came along and I began to learn the truth about fellowship, I realized it's no different than, like, my wife and I talking. Keisha and I are always in communication. Like, always. Thank God for, you know, texting and messaging and things like that now. But, like, we are always in communication. And that's the way it's supposed to be with God. Like, you're not sitting there, all right, it's my time to pray. Like, no, just listen. Does a doubt come to your mind? Just, just talk to God about it real fast. Anxiety, worry, maybe a dream, a vision that God's given you, a hope He's placed in your heart. Just talk to Him about it. Like, and that's something I, even I've been working on in my personal life. Rather than sit there and like start worrying about things and, and wondering, like I just pray about it. Like I just stop the thought right there, pray about it, acknowledge Jesus in that moment, acknowledge the promise in that moment, and that's prayer. He says pray without ceasing. He's not saying be on your knees without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That word, you know, the, one of the definitions for pray in, in one of the languages, I can't remember which one, is, is to kiss. Right, to kiss him. It's fellowship. It's intimacy. And, and you don't have fellowship with someone that you're not in constant contact with. Right? You might be related to them. There might be a relationship, but there's not that fellowship. Like I said with me and my wife. Right? Always. There's always communication. Like yesterday, I was up in central Ohio. Keisha was down as far as she can get in southeastern Kentucky. And we knew what each other was doing the whole time. Like we were updating each other constantly. Right, just why? Because we just love one another. And just staying in fellowship. Just staying in communication. So by the end of the day, we didn't even have to come together. And this is the way I used to come to prayer. All right, I'm gonna, before I go to bed, I'm going to let God know everything that's happened today, what's ticked me off, what's worried me, and see if he'll do something about it. All right? 
But like at the end of the day, me and Keisha didn't even have to come together and say, so what happened? You know, what, I already knew what she'd done today. I already knew how the kids about, you know, about went nuts on her at a festival in Pikeville and, you know, about drove her mad and, <laughs> you know, and, and here I was, like, I was like, I just got the best word I've ever received. And now Keisha's like, kids are killing me, you know. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I understood because guess what? I do that to her a few times a week as well. I'm the one with the kids, and I'm the one, like, these kids are killing me, you know. So like, I was like, I understand. But, but man, that's fellowship. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14.2. I, I want to mention this real, real quick. Because here's the thing, guys. You know, you really can't worry about something. Well, let me say this. Worry, anxiety, depression, fears, you can't handle those things. That's why, the, like they say, I've heard, uh, you know, some doctors say that like 90% of all diseases is related to stress. You know what that tells me? You can't handle those things. You weren't created to handle those things. Your physical body literally cannot handle those things. But God can. And that's one, of the, that's one of the purposes of prayer is, here you go, God, you, you bear this. You handle this. Right? It's funny that we think we know that we can't bear our sins. We know he can. It's the same with our fear, our anxieties, our depression, our, our, you know, all these things. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Now, I'm not saying you have to pray in tongues to talk to God, right? I know plenty of people have fellowship with God who don't pray in tongues, but this takes fellowship to a whole other level, praying in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit and people hear you, like earlier when we was praying in the Spirit, to the person beside us it just sounded like a bunch of gibberish. Like, what are you talking about? Why? Because we're not talking to men. We're talking to God. And God understood every single syllable that you used in heaven. He understood every bit of it. This, in my opinion, praying in the Spirit is the most intimate type of prayer. Why? 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. John 4, 24 says, For God is spirit. So when, when my, I let my spirit pray, that's a part of me that, is, that understands the God stuff, right? That's the part of me that's not limited. By, and that, listen, our understanding is a big hindrance a lot of times to our fellowship with God because we're so focused on what we're going through. We're so focused on, like in Luke 14, the excuses. The, the, we're focused on life because we are living life, right? We can have fellowship with Him in life. We don't have to be in a hut. We don't have to, you know... Uh, set ourselves apart and fast and pray for seven days. Like We do this thing doing life. It's supposed to be natural. right? It's supposed to be easy. And that's one of the great things about praying in the Spirit. Man, I pray in the Spirit anytime I've got downtime. I pray in the Spirit when I'm busy. Like I'm driving, uh, uh, you know, doing something around the house. Like when I cut grass and things like that, I'm praying in the Spirit. And any, you know... When I go through Walmart, you better pray in tongues if you go to Walmart, right? Like, you better. But no, seriously, I'm always praying in the Spirit. And it's just an intimate... Listen, I have never spent a season of really being intentional with my praying in the Spirit that I did not exit that season with two things. One, more understanding and revelation, and two, more peace. 
Never. When I start feeling like I'm anxious, when I'm, I'm disturbed about things, I get more intentional about praying in the Spirit. And if I'll stick to that, I always come out on the other side with more peace. And I always understand something I didn't understand before. Right? Why? Because it also said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, for you know, he that prays in the Spirit speaks mysteries. There's things that I don't understand, but when I pray in tongues, man, I'm speaking those secrets, those mysteries that God knows. Because I'm not hindered by my understanding. I'm not hindered by why in the world are those kids driving Keisha crazy today? What's wrong with them? Are they hungry? Or you know, No, I'm just praying in the Spirit. God knows, right? That's the beautiful thing about praying in the Spirit. And the last one I want to talk about is the local body of believers. This is one we overlook. We talk about fellowship with God. We think about the Scripture. We think about prayer. But we don't really think about one another. But this morning, God spoke to me and Keisha through Jeremiah. That was God speaking to us. doesn't mean he's perfect, but he was God's vessel. He was God's mouthpiece. Right now, God's speaking to you through me. Right? Uh, when, when, you, when you hug one another, love one another, encourage one another, that's God speaking to you through one another. When Jesus walked this earth, he had a body. His body is now in heaven, not on earth. But you know what? He still has a body on earth. But it's not, it's not, it's not in one location. Everybody here this morning is a member of that body. You are an expression of the very person of Jesus. And God wants to use you to, to lead someone into to a more intimate fellowship with Him. Not through the means of, all right, now you, you, need to, you need to read more of this. You heard what He said, but no, just like, listen, you need that word, you need that hug, you, you need that thank you, and God will use somebody to give it to you. This happened for me last week, and I shared this with her after service, but like last week... Patty, Patty was God to me last week. When she shared her, her, her story, it, and I was sitting over there, I'm sorry, I know a bunch of you spoke after that. I don't know anything anyone else said. Like, I checked out. God spoke to me, and it sounded like Patty. When she mentioned the... the I, I told her, I don't know if you said these words, but this is, this is what it was interpreted to me the largeness, the bigness of the resurrection. And how we just don't understand how grand this thing is. We don't understand how this thing, the, the event of the resurrection, how large it is, how big it is, and what its implications are for us. When she said that and, and gave her testimony, it just, that was God speaking to me. And I checked out and I feasted on that for two or three days. Man, and then that led me to, to, you know, to Scripture. And I thought about in Acts where it says, With great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. I never put this together. The great grace that was upon them was a result of them understanding the bigness, the largeness of the resurrection. That opened them up to be just showered in the grace of God. Right? So God, man, this is why God wants to isolate us from one another, from a local body, from, from friends and from people, because the enemy doesn't want God using anyone to bless you. 
The, God, the enemy doesn't want, any, doesn't want God using anyone to encourage you. Like isolation, it was the first thing that God said is not good. Have you ever thought about this? In, in Genesis chapter 2, the world was still perfect. There was no sin, there was no fallen creation, but yet God still said in that perfect world, one thing isn't right. One thing isn't good. This man's alone. Here's another thing. Adam had God. And a lot of people will say, well, I've got God. I don't need, I don't need a church. I don't need, the, I don't need friends, whatever. I've, I've got God. Adam had God. And God still said, you know what? You need a woman. You know, you need you a woman. Right? You, you, and this is the pattern we see with God throughout Scripture. Right? The, 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 the Old Testament um, the, in, in, in the Old Testament, it wasn't all about man relating to God. Most of the law was about man relating to man. Most of the law was God's wisdom for how, how, how people should treat one another. Well, how do you know that? Because Jesus said the, law, the, the whole purpose of the law is two things, love God, love one another. The purpose of the law wasn't just love God. Now, that was the greatest part of the law. But it wasn't the only part of the law. You can't separate God from his people. And God will use, don't discount anyone because God will use the most random person, may not be saved, may be in your eyes the worst person. God will use them to speak to you. Right? So I'm not just saying, even though I believe the church is the, 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 the one place we should be able to count on, you know, fellowshipping with God through. It's, it's not just the church. Right? God will use people to minister to you without a word of prophecy, without a word of knowledge, without a tongue. God will use people. You can't separate God from his people. So those are like, God's given us everything we need for fellowship. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, prayer, and one another. That's so powerful. You know, just like... Um, so like I said yesterday, I was at a minister's conference, and my wife will tell you, there have been, like, for weeks now, I've been in this place of frustration. I'm like, God, I need you to say something. Like, I need to hear from you about something, right? And then yesterday, I went to a minister's conference, and, like, the first thing, and we knew the last session was going to be Greg Moore operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and the first thing Greg does is, so, Grant, has me come, and just, I mean, for five minutes, just everything I needed from God, he used Greg for. But guess what? There's like some missing pieces, and I thought, well, he didn't, he didn't talk about these things. And then Jeremiah did this morning, right? But guess what? Now, God would have still tried to get it through to me, but if I hadn't been at that meeting yesterday and then here today, I would have been frustrated a little bit longer, right? But God used people. We forget that, that God uses people. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. We think like when we give, like just all of a sudden, we're just going to like look randomly and there's going to be $1,000, you know, in, in our couch or something that God placed there. Primarily, now miracles like that can happen, but primarily God will use people to bless you. I can remember one time, I can't remember the amount now, but we needed so much money to move like to get into this place we was going to rent before we went out to Colorado. I can't remember the amount, but it was like, it was like random, like $370 or something. Like it may have, I even think it might have was a lot more than that. 
It was like 700 some dollars. Like we came here this morning, we had to have the money by Monday morning. Do you know, and I didn't say nothing to nobody. I didn't stand up here and say, well, everybody, I need 700 some dollars. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it's not what I did. Do you know I left, like various people had gave me envelopes that morning. I got in the car and I counted the money. I knew. I was like, this is going to be 700 some dollars. <laughs> it was the exact amount that we needed to move into that house that, that week. God uses his people. He uses his people. And, and also let me say this. We're, we're, be open to not just being the one always receiving. Be the one who's ready to, man, I'm ready to be God to someone, right? I'm ready to be the voice that Jesus can use. I'm ready to be the hand that will encourage people and lift people up. Man, that's fellowship with God. When we come together this morning, that's fellowship with God. All right, I'm going to close. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And let me say this. So I, I began, I asked the question in the beginning, or I said that one of the ways that you can know if you're in fellowship with God is your awareness of Him. And I want to say the quickest way I have learned to become aware of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Here it is, verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. The quickest way to raise your awareness of God is just to acknowledge Him. I mean, it really is as simple as, like I do this all the time, Jesus, I just acknowledge you in this moment. Here my frustration, here my anger, here my... Here my joy. I just acknowledge you in this moment. Man, there's just this power to acknowledgement that I think we've not tapped into yet. But if we would just acknowledge him, take this literally, acknowledge him. And it is as simple as just voicing God, I acknowledge you in this moment. Jesus, I acknowledge that you're working through these people this morning. Jesus, I acknowledge that you're the one who's provided for me. Jesus, I acknowledge that you wrote this book and you're speaking to me through it this morning. I say every day, God, I hear your voice. I receive your wisdom. I say it every morning. It's just an acknowledgement. It's an expectation that you put out there. And God is always faithful to meet that expectation. Amen. Because he wants fellowship with us far more than we want fellowship with him. All right, have you ever thought about that? Like, in the beginning, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they had fellowship with one another. But God still wanted us. He still wanted us. That's so good. That's so good. Has this blessed you guys this morning? All right, let me pray over you, and then I'll turn it back over to Jeremiah to close. Father, I just thank you for these people. I thank you for, for Jesus. I thank you for this wonderful salvation that we have, for this, this everything that grace has provided. And... Father, right now in this moment, we just acknowledge you. We acknowledge that you are greater, that you are bigger than anything that would uh, hinder us from fellowship with you. Anything that tries to disqualify us, you are greater. Any comparisons that we've made, you are greater. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I just, I just speak over these people right now that these, these days, these coming days will be the sweetest time of fellowship that they've ever had with you. That their awareness of you will be increased beyond 
anything like they've ever known, Father. That they will see you in people. That they will see you in your word. That they will hear you in prayer, Father. And I just thank you for that. And I release that over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Amen.